How are you, Julie? I'm good, thanks, Bezo. How are you? I'm good. What That's have you got good. for me this week? So instead of a book, I'm actually going to plug our workshops. I noticed that, we that do. you've um, updated the website. Yes. Yes. Lots of classes up there. Yes, there's heaps. So we've got the photography one coming up this Sunday. Food, and food got, photography? Yeah. Hey, I, should, uh, I wish you'd told me about that earlier because I should probably come and do that. Yeah, you should. Because uh, I do a lot of product shots for, for my work mm-hmm. and some of them are okay, but it's more luck and the fact that it's digital photography and I can mm-hmm. take and retake and retake and retake until I get one I like. Mm. I have no idea what I'm doing. You should come because Robert is actually very good. He actually is a professional photographer yeah. and he does a lot of food photography. And it's, it's a real, uh, like obviously photography is an art, but food yeah. photography in particular is, yeah. you know, there's a lot of little tricks and, mm. and things of the trade. And yeah. No, he's very good. Within five minutes, he was able to teach me um, what to look out for. My my photography for food is much better now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this one is a four-hour wow. session on Sunday, How nine much? to one p.m. nine a.m. to one p.m. A hundred and twenty per person. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Got a few spots left. Yes, we do. Okay. What yeah. else? And also, we've got um, this wine that yeah. La Reserve has sponsored for us today and it has a very cool very very cool label yes so apparently charlie hepto the artist is the one that designed that i'm just taking a photo of it which works <laughs> really well on a podcast <laughs> so tell us it's a french wine whereabouts in france is it from you don't know <laughs> Let me read it. <laughs> what the best thing about this is, it's got a little, it's got a little illustration of a knot, like a rope with knots in it on the side, and the the story with that is that the old school barkeep, you'd have a jug of wine, and at the end of the night, you'd stick a rope with knots in it, and whatever the wine mm. came up to the knots, that's how they charge you. So I'm not even going to embarrass myself. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, that's why I asked you to do. <laughs> we'll have to ask Stacy. When he comes in, do you know how to? So the location is the south of the Loire and west of the Macon. Saint. I don't know how to say it. I'm not going to say it. I think it's Poisson. Poisson. Yeah. So. Okay, there you go. And what's the website, Julie, for the discrumptiousreads.com.au? Yeah. Cool. Yes. All right. Thanks. Thank you. We, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what. You bugging as death, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass fed? Yes. Cruelty free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes. You are what you eat, and I am freaking cheese. <laughs> okay, how was it? Mm, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. How about corned beans, Mr. Taggart? I'd say you've had enough. Um. Hey Ben, how you going? Good thanks, Pizza. Welcome back you? to Cheesy without 15,000 people. It's my pleasure to be back <laughs> to Cheesy. Should be fun. I'm missing Sal though. Yeah, 
I said to her, I said, it's all very interesting, but it's just not as, it's not as chaotic and funny without you here. She's the funniest. <laughs> so you know she's easy to lead on, so if you want to say something controversial, you just give Sal a poke and well, off she goes. Well, the, the, best, the best podcasts that we ever did were the ones that were before the recordings, because she'd tell me all the, <laughs> she'd tell me all the industry and, and, and gossipy things that she couldn't tell me on air, and then, and then we'd try and obliquely reference them and no one never really listened to those podcasts so there's probably a lot of stuff there that we shouldn't have said but anyway in the early days I'm going to go back through and listen to the early ones now (laughs) you might your name might have been dropped man I hope so I don't know I'd be honest so you've been you've been tasting wine at 6am this morning it wasn't 6am it was about (laughs) 9.30 yeah I had an impromptu wine tasting it rattled me a little bit I'm afraid but bloody good wines it was all natural wines it was a guy that brings wines in from um, all around Italy but all natural and amphora and all that sort of stuff got some really good ones it was a really nice dry Moscato that he had what's the um, uh, like is it more do restaurants good restaurants prefer to have Australian wines or do they prefer to have European wines is is that sort of a more sign of sophistication. What's the what's the sort of balance there? Well, like I think you just want to have a balance of both. I mean, yeah. obviously you want to be Australian inclined, but you don't also want to cut off the other part of the market. You want yeah. to have a broad spectrum that kind of covers everything and caters to all tastes. That I guess is the key. Because um, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day when I was at you know a big liquor store and. The the overseas section of the of the store seemed to be either bargain basement sort of you know flog them off ones or high end very tailored to people that obviously were looking for that particular type that wine or probably yeah. even that that brand or that you know that particular wine yeah and, and there didn't seem to be the the broad range where I could just go and drop you know have a bit of an explore and and sort of check around I guess that's why you got your boutique little places that you would go to like yeah. if, I guess if you know you know say you were going to go to a Dan Murphy's right like you'd go there pretty much to pick up something cheap like that's mm. why you'd go to Dan Murphy's right like, which is what I do <laughs> well my, my, my wife likes wine but uh, we go through we go through a bit of it yeah but I don't buy I buy just off a off a website now which I think I think is Dan Murphy's anyway. I think it might be their back end where they move stuff that they can't. They got their figures and everything, don't they? So. Mm, it's pretty hard to find. I, I thought I thought that they were independent, but then I sent them a tweet with a question, and I got a reply back from the Dan Murphy's um, Twitter account. There you go. There's and so one. I'm like, oh well, it's obviously someone in the same office managing all their social media. So that was yeah, good. I don't know. Look, I don't. I don't buy one online. But, you know, if I'm going to go and buy. a wine I want to drink something interesting or different I'll usually just drop in the craft on the way home yeah Tony's usually got some good stuff up there so. not much of that down in Bean Lane no <laughs> yeah maybe. though the, there is I'm going to have a look at um, there's a a new website Australian website called the craft beer market yeah right and it's I think I haven't sort of really checked it out but I think what it, what you do is you pay 40 bucks a month and that gives you sort of credit, and you have to buy at least sixteen different beers, and then they have specials and promotions and stuff like that. And you don't have to buy every month; you can sort of let your credit build up. Yeah. But I think the idea is to, 
to give you access to all the independent craft breweries around Australia, which I really like the idea of. Because I love trying different beers. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And there's so much going on in oh. that in the industry as well that, you know, you, you could have a different one every month and yeah. not run out of months. No. And when I went to New Zealand, uh, I don't know, well, more than five years ago now because it was before the kids, and I was just impressed with you walked into their supermarkets and they had so many different little craft beers just mm. available basically at a Woolworths level. Like it wasn't all sort of dominated by the big players. Um, in fact, that they sort of marginalised their their bigger brands, like the Steinlagers and stuff, were sort of hidden down the back as if they were the dirty little thing. They really pushed their their um, you know the more Boutique interesting market. stuff. Yeah, that's so cool. Like a, yeah, you know, you'd like to think it's going that way, but yeah, I don't really know. I've, I used to drink a lot of beer, and I used to be bang into the boutique beer thing for, for ages, especially when I was in Perth. It's a bit colder over there, I guess. Yeah. But since coming here, I've just gone off beer. I can't drink beer anymore. I don't yeah, know right. what it is. It just doesn't sit right with me. I've turned into a total wino. Yeah, right. But, and white wine, which yeah. I, I'm completely the opposite. I just, just, just gets me. Don't drink reds at all. So, I mean, I quite enjoy... I'm, I'm loving all these skin contact whites at the moment. And I think they're getting much, much better at it. They're not just rough. So basically, they make a white wine the way they would make red wine. So white wine, normally they crush the grapes and everything. They take the skin straight yeah. out. And it's just the pure juice because they want to have purity and clarity of flavour. But now, there's a lot of people making and they're leaving the skins in it for like four days, anywhere up to like 22, 24 days. So does it come out like this? No, it like... comes out orange. Ah, uh, okay. Like it gets coloured coming over from that, but it also gets all the tannin structure yeah. from the so skins. It gets a little bit more depth to it. Yeah, so you get, well, you know... A lot of the good ones I find, you know, they've got similar structures like a cab set or something like that. I think that's that's the thing I find with red is cheap... I find cheaper reds to be a lot better. I think white wine, you've got to have a bit, bit, bit better. You've got to pay a little bit more money to get something that's half decent. I just find... In white, reds, you mean? No, in whites. Like, what, like cheap white wines, either, like, really, really sweet or <laughs> just really rough. It's I don't know, definitely a gamble. I think, I think you get better bang for your dollar at the lower end with red wines. But that might just be my palate too. Probably, I just don't, I really just don't drink much red at all, really. Yeah. I don't know why. I drink a lot of wine, so... Mm. And I'm shocking on red. I, like, I'll have a glass and I've got one of those huge bloody Rydell glasses and... So you, do I. You, pour one, <laughs> you pour one glass and it's like a third and you're like, oh, I've only had one glass, I'll have another glass and it's like, when it's sort of come down in the morning, yes. You only just opened that bottle last night. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I'll pretty much knock off a bottle at one o'clock in the morning when I get home from work before I go to bed. It's kind of substitute for dinner. <laughs> is that the chef's dinner, is it? Bottle of, yeah, bottle of white yeah. wine. Completely crush your adrenaline in your body so you can go to sleep. I think it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've forgotten that because I used to run live music venues. Yeah, and, that's um, exactly the same. Uh, and unlike a lot of other people that ran clubs in, in the valley, I didn't partake in any pharmaceuticals to keep me awake. So, you know, it would be coffee during the day and then Red Bull at night and then, yeah, six or seven beers to sort of calm yourself down. Yeah. And, and then you try and crash out and your brain's still going at a million miles an hour. It's terrible. Wondering how the, you know, how the till went and whether or not they set the alarms properly or, you know, paid the band properly or... And then I used to... The funny thing with bands is 
an, a band would be out or they'd leave and they'd see some mates and they'd go, oh, yeah, we just did this really good gig here. You should give him a ring. So I'd get phone calls at, like, 2 o'clock from drunk, from drunk bands going, oh, we want to come do a gig. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, I've just gone to sleep. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was always interesting. And then I went from that to completely the... Um, I flipped around, I went completely the opposite. I went to repping when I was getting up at half past three, four o'clock in the morning to be on the road by by half past four, five o'clock. So you were up when everyone else in your old yeah, yeah, your past was, life but yeah, just going to bed. Just, it's like, it was like completely slamming my body clock in the opposite direction, which was a bit it was really rough the first couple of weeks. How'd you cope? Uh, I think I'm naturally more a morning person anyway, so I think it, it was just rough the first couple of weeks and then I got used to it, but... You're naturally a morning person. Yeah. I've never been a morning person. Yeah. Never. Now I just, like even if on the rare occasions I get to sleep in, my body's basically six o'clock and eyes are wide open. Can't can't sleep in anymore. Yeah, when you have kids anyway, they don't let you sleep yeah, in. that's it's right. It's the natural alarm clock. You yeah. Some kid jumping on you and telling you to get up. So, well, I get out in the morning still, you know, but... What do you, what do you normally do, nap? Get up and say hello, and then go back to bed and just crash. No, out I've got. Well, I've just got to get up because I'm not around much. So my long-suffering wife needs more of a hand than I usually provide. So <laughs> I, um, I try. I'm trying to get up at the moment. At the moment, I'm trying to make a really concerted effort to get up at a decent hour and make them, uh, make them breakfast and be present. Yeah, and contributing member of the family. <laughs> hey, I scored a. Um, I scored a little cheap. So a relative of ours gave us a little cheap waffle maker. I'd never made waffles before. Man, they were awesome. Yeah, right. But now I want a, like a really big, deep waffle making machine. So what are you going to do with them? What's the plan for the waffles? Are you just using them as sweet applications at the moment? Uh, no more. Uh, yeah, no, I did. The first couple were just sweet. Um, I got, uh, I don't know if you saw on Instagram the other day, I got 15 or so figs off the fig tree. Mm. So I did... Um, just a little bit of brown sugar on them under the grill, put them on a waffle with some ice cream, and that was pretty good. Yeah, cool. Um, and what's the batter? Forgive my ignorance. I'm not a- well, that, that was the thing. So it, was, it seems to be just like a pancake batter, but with sugar in it and plain flour. And f- like I so it was two eggs, two cups of flour, a cup of milk. Um, also, they separate the eggs, which I do with pancakes anyway. And yeah. beat the whites and add them back in, um, and four teaspoons of um, baking powder and a quarter of a cup of sugar, like heaps of sugar. That's that was it. Yeah, right. So whether or not the only thing different is I normally wouldn't put sugar in a pancake mix. So I mean, this whole thing's kicked off with savoury pancakes now, right? Like yeah. everyone's doing this bacon and. So I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to do the whole. Um, you know, grab a pancake and shove some fried, make a fried chicken sandwich out of your pancake. No. Like, go crazy with that. It was American. It was just easier to make a waffle than it was to make a pancake because mm. it cooks twice as fast. Mm. That's what I like. Because like, I've got seven people living at my place now, and so if you have a couple of extras around for breakfast, and Sal and I used to always have this conversation. I just, I, I struggle scaling up. I'm getting more used to it now that I've sort of got seven people living there sort of constantly. But um, I always way over over cater. So if I've got like nine people, I sort of cook for 15 and then right. have a heap of stuff left over. I don't have that that sort of ability just to scale it up. So Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. 
Cool waffles. Mm. I have to get into it myself. I'm surprised that that's not something you've done. I've just never done it. I just don't think I've ever had the opportunity to. Do you guys do breakfast there? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not something that... Well, I don't know how many waffles go in the Middle East, so I don't think it's no, that's true. things that's done over there. But, um... Oh, I, I did know. some, um... The other one I did recently, which is pretty cool, was some, um, flatbreads. Yeah. So how would you make... If you were making flatbreads at home and you didn't have, like, a tandoor or a super hot oven, what would you do? Just in a fry pan? Yeah, that's be pretty heavy base. Whatever you use, try and get something the heaviest base that you can. But and get some heat into it. Yeah, well, what what? So Johnny's the the Moobrak's mum. She makes uh, flatbreads over there for us. Yeah. So what she does, she makes it on what they call a sage. So it's like it's basically a big, heavy, overturned wok. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was on Food Safari Fire. They yeah. did that on the on the. Yeah, so it's like a big dome. Yeah. Heavy, and so they either light a fire underneath it or they just put a gas burner. Burn on it. Yeah. And they put the bread out, and they kind of pull it out onto a big pillow it's basically like a big square cushion yeah with a, with a yeah. cloth around it and, and they just, just whack dab it, it on whack it on with that and yeah. then take it off and away they go but and is that so it, it, so you just want heat you want it to cook really quickly is that the yeah super quick so yeah. really hot like they're on and off in seconds and, and does that give it that sort of pillowy nice fluffy texture yeah well the one that, that Salwa makes is quite um, it's quite sort of chewy and firm, she doesn't kind of make the soft pocket ones. Yeah. But those ones, they work exactly the same way. It'll just be different in the recipe of the batter that they make up with the dough, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah. Um, you know, the ones that are like a pocket, I think they just laminate them so there's air trapped in between, which kind of separates as you cook it. Cook it. Yeah, trapped right. air expands and pushes it out. But. Well, I just threw some in the morning, because I knew I was going to do a curry that night. I just threw some sourdough starter and some plain flour and some salt in and mix it all up and let it sit all day and then just rolled them out just got the pan as hot as I possibly could and just whacked them in no, pretty, yeah, they came yeah, out alright cool. I like doing little things like that just to just to have with dinner that are not too pre-packaged it was not really hard is it? no it's pretty easy to smash it, you know smash out something like that I guess it's just time mm. and space and heaps of garlic I'll put heaps of garlic through it it's like a nan bread sort of so. Yeah, that was what I was sort of going for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what, what do you cook at home? Like, what's your favourite thing to do? Uh, things that are quick, because I have to... I basically have very limited time between picking the kids up from daycare. Like, their dinner's got to be on the table quarter to six at the latest. And you're still bashing out a naan and sourdough starters, and that's usually yes. not what people would associate with a quick meal. <laughs> I, think, I think that that's what... Um, so we like, you know... There's like homemade pizzas once a week and, you know, crisp, uh, crispy chicken wraps once a week. Yeah. But like even then with that, I'd like make all my own spice blends for that and stuff. Yeah. There you go. Your kids and my kids obviously are quite similar. We're, we're the same. It's, the, you know, chicken burritos. Yeah. They're all about that. And then yeah. pizza. And then obviously because I've got, I see a lot of butchers do get hold of some decent meat um, and like good sausages which are not as easy to find as you would think no um, absolutely not I sort of got a, a little short list of places that I go but the the eldest boy just loves sausages now that's his just loves them it's all different types all sorts yeah different flavours he doesn't care chorizo or how old's he now four four years old yeah fuck you lucky but he's he's gone the other way like 
the two-year-olds will eat anything. Like I did a tiger and curry the other day, and because Curtis was in Gladstone, I just I did it with the um, the cheap bloody rice because I'm rice is my one failing. I cannot just I'm hopeless at cooking rice. Really? Yeah. It's so fucking easy, Bezo. What's wrong with you? I know. I can't do it. Uh, as What's your method? All right, let's re- let's rectify oh, this right here and um, now. My method is you tear the packet open and you put it in the microwave for 90 Fuck seconds. Off. I'm serious. You don't do it. It's the only thing I use a microwave for in cooking. It's the only thing. I, but I, you're obviously I, unhappy with the results, so... Yeah, yeah. So normally I just, I don't know, you do the, the steam method. Where so what you, is the steam method? You wash the rice and then put a cup and a half of water to one cup of rice or whatever it is and you just let it until there's no... No more moisture. Follow whatever it says on the. How, the how do you fuck that up, Bisa? I don't know. It just doesn't taste. It just goes gluggy. Dude, you. All right. So what I do? So it's exactly the same, right? Except I don't mess with rinsing the rice. You just chuck okay. it straight in, right? But and you what like jasmine? Yeah. So whatever it is, right? Whatever your vessel is that you're getting the rice in. Mm. So if you got one of those, you go one and a half. So usually you go two, right? So you go two of those, and then you got three more of water to make yep. it up. What I usually do is cut the water back just a little bit. Oh, like okay. a little less. Yeah. Not much, just a little bit, right? And then straight to the rapid boil. So, so top yeah. top heat straight away. Lid on straight away, rapid boil. As soon as it hits rapid boil, yeah. have you got gas at home? No. Electric? So yeah. lowest like the very lowest setting. Yeah. So it can't go I, I do life. I do actually have one burner that doesn't work very well that has very very low perfect. heat perfect there you go so you stick that one on make sure your lid's airtight yeah with the lid on it yeah I've got good commercial cookware so set your timer 12 minutes okay 12 minutes as soon as 12 minutes goes off straight away take your lid off your rice take yeah. it off the heat turn the heat off take your lid off just fluff it up a bit just with a fork yeah shove your lid back on and just walk away and then come back when you're ready to eat it okay yeah, it's fucking perfect every time alright I'll give that a try you put a bit of salt in water as well. Because yeah. my wife's like quarter... Uh, she's half Filipino and the kids are quarter. So we eat rice like every fucking meal. Like it's, oh. She can't eat anything without rice. Yeah. I'm like that with potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I love... Like, I really like rice. And I just... I have no... Uh, Sal and I talked about this so many times. And she's really helped me sort of start to get a feel for it. But I have no feel for... Like... That sort of French Italian style cuisine, I got I got a feel for it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I, I sort of I don't have to check everything, but with with any Asian cooking, I feel like I've got to be looking at a recipe and checking and checking and checking. Yeah. And I don't know whether that kills a little bit of my just natural creativity feel to throw it all togetherness, and I'm too processed, and that sort of makes it a little bit more shit. But I just don't. I don't get as good as I was always the same as you, but then over time I've just slowly tried more and gotten better at it. And I think probably the, the the Japanese dumplings are the one thing I'm 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 now I just experiment and do whatever the fuck I want. Gyozas. Yeah, I can't say the word. That's why I got you to say. It. <laughs> right. Why? What would you? How would you say? Oh, gazoya, gazayo. <laughs> <laughs> why do so many people have trouble with that word? Like, it's I, not just you. It's it's no. I have this real thing where I've got a really good vocab, but I have massive problems with pronunciation. Like, it goes from my mind wrong, and it just Glazes. comes out comes out of my mouth wrong. I get a lot mocked of people for have an issue with that. I get mocked for it endlessly pretty funny well it makes yeah. good radio bezos, so. yeah. but I love those things I could eat them all day yeah what's the difference between that and a Chinese dumpling 
Uh, yeah, no, so dumplings generally I'm okay with. Yeah, but, right. But uh, stir fries, uh, like, I, I hate stir fries. Just, just the thought makes my stomach curl because I just had too many meals called stir fry when I was share housing and if someone says oh let's have a stir fry for dinner I just, I just completely lose my appetite Shitloads of reduced soy sauce in it right so it's like nah just, just probably vegetables cooked too much and yeah, and right. like canton sauce and that sort of shit in share housing but I feel the same way about pasta oh man but do, like fresh pasta not so all. many people fuck pasta up oh, I, don't, I don't do any any dried pasta at home so you only do fresh. Only fresh. Yeah, but it's all in the sauce, right? It's all in the balance of fats to liquid and emulsification, right? Like, that's the biggest thing that no one gets with pastas. Yeah. Starch, fat, liquid. But getting the holy trinity of those to balance together so you get the perfect sauce of cleans. Like, you don't, you can make a pasta feel creamy without adding any sort of fat, like butter or cream or milk or anything to it, right? Like, I, I don't really do it. I suppose. I sort of do three. Um, three pastas and they're not particularly exciting so I do like a bolognese um, one might be mince might be red kidney beans yeah. depending like I've got a veggie living at home now so I do I do that bolognese with like heaps of different beans and, and look, cook it very slowly over a long period of time so it sort of breaks down bean mince yeah and it's actually you know some good sugo it's pretty it's pretty good I reckon heaps of oregano heaps of pepper Veggio is the way to go, isn't it? And it's so satisfying when you do something like that that it actually works and it tastes good. Yeah. So I made a gnocchi on Monday oh, yeah. night for the wife. T- teach me how to do potato that. Potato gnocchi is so easy, pizza. It's so easy. So fresh potato gnocchi and just a really simple, just cook down some, some really nice tomatoes that I got that were overripe, cooked them down, a little bit of shallot, sweated off in garlic with basil and then just gnocchi into that with some blue cheese fresh basil over the top and, and it's the fucking best thing ever yeah it's so satisfying and filling and delicious my favourite so I only do sort of one type of pasta which is just roll it out hand cut it I don't bother with fucking putting it through the cutters and practically rip it up right yeah just like sort of wide whitish strips none of them are even yeah um, but my sort of go to real simple one is pums and cheese Fresh palms and cheese grated, zest and juice of two lemons, yeah. olive oil, one clove of garlic, chopped fine, and just sort of mix that through and then lift the pasta in so you get the water off the pasta with it. That's it. Nothing And else. then, so when you add your pasta, do you cook it a little bit in the pan, in the other stuff? Mm, no, it's just in a bowl. So this is what you do, right? So... Trust me, not many people get this. Okay. So when you put your pasta in with the rest of the sauce, you've got to cook it a bit in the pan with all those liquids and the oil because what happens is the starch and the fat and the liquid will all emulsify together and go creamy. Like the nature of it will be creamy and it will stick and cling to the pasta. The pasta will hold the sauce Sauce. better. Okay. And it will give you this awesome creamy mouthfeel. And, and you do that with just about like all Mo- pastas? Yeah, pretty much most. Yeah. You, always, you, you cook them until... That's why when you go al dente, right? So it's still got a bit of tooth. You finish the cooking in your sauce yeah. that you're going to present it with. Now, obviously, if you've got... You might want to emulsify first and then add your lemon zest when it's ready yeah. as you're taking it off because you might not want to lose that freshness, right? So would you do that with fresh pasta as well as yeah. dried pasta? Yeah, yeah Okay. Because yeah. totally. like I sort of ignore all pasta recipes now because they're all for dried pasta and... I just I, I can't eat it anymore. It Are just you just do straight egg flour pasta? Yeah, egg duck flour eggs. olive oil. 
Uh, d- d- dash of dash of olive oil. Yeah. So when you roll, try this as well. So when you're rolling your pasta, dust it with semolina. Yeah. When you roll it, and then the semolina will kind of stud through it, and then when you cook it in the sauce, the semolina will hold your sauce better. Oh, okay. So my next big investment is going to be a KitchenAid or a um, Kenwood mixer with the pasta big, machine. Well, the pasta machine because I'm getting sick of hand rolling out for yeah, seven yeah, people. Yeah. I've got this. I, I inherited a pasta machine off a butcher who'd already used it for like five years, and I've used it for ten. It's getting hell. it's getting pretty old in the tooth. I don't think we've ever had a pasta machine that's lasted more than a year ever. So I'm I'm keen for the you know the automatic one on the KitchenAid. Oh, so easy, so good. But the um the, both the KitchenAid and the Kenwood ones have a shapes, you know, so spirals and and um, uh, macaroni and yeah, cool. And I'd love to do fresh spirals because the the boys love spirals. I don't know, it's just something about. Just picking the spiral up and with they the hold sauce the on sauce it. Sauce well as well. Yeah, the best. I love uh, orecchetti is my favourite. I love orecchetti pasta. So that's the little is, ears. Yeah. And, and do uh, you guys do them fresh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just so instead of rolling your pasta, I think you just roll into a log, right? Yeah. And you just cut. You cut with one hand to cut a piece off the end. So you roll it to like five cent piece diameter. Yeah. And then when you you cut it off and you just press push, it push with it. your thumb and flick it. Yeah. So off the back of your board, you'll just leave it like a pile of flour or something or whatever it is, and then you just flick, flick it into it. the pile. So you cut with one hand and you flick with the other one. Okay. Until so when you flick it, you kind of curl it around your, the tip of your thumb. Yep. And then just flick it off so it's out of the way. I think the thing too with home cooking is I've got to find stuff that I can do quickly. So like I don't make dumplings all the time, and because I don't make dumplings all the time, I'm fucking really slow at yeah. making dumplings. So it's got to be like on a Saturday or Sunday where I've got a bit more time. Whereas like pizza, I can I can I'm so in here, I'm so grooved on making the pizzas now that I can just bash them out so quickly. And that's what I tend to do weekdays. It's stuff that I'm just so it's used so, to, so used to, and it's probably not that. Um, not that interesting, but I just, just do it so quick. You're still doing better than most. I mean, for, so the, the other problem with me is my kids won't eat any of that stuff. <laughs> they won't fucking touch it. So they're the most simple eaters in the world. They're so fussy. Okay, I think there's a difference between simple and fussy. Like, Curtis is fairly simple. Like, he, um, you know, he likes pizza, he likes pasta, he likes chicken wraps. And we just basically go, you're eating what we eat. You don't have to eat it. If you don't want to, just push it aside. But you sit at the table until we're finished, and then off you go. And but you don't, you don't get to eat if you don't eat it? No, that's it. Dinner's dinner time, and then once dinner time's over, that's it. Yeah, fuck, I've got, got to harden up a bit, I think. And then, <laughs> and then if he wants dessert, like, so, if, you know, if he wants a bit of custard or some fruit or whatever, well, you didn't have dinner tough luck <laughs> so but if he has his dinner and then he wants something else after dinner like after the baby's gone to bed if he wants a bit of dessert sure had your dinner no worries and he'll even say I had all my dinner can I have some dessert there you go we need to toughen up so, so it's, it's no pressure on him to eat you don't have to you don't have to I'm not, never going to force you to eat don't throw a tanty that on the side. Uh, yeah, sometimes you're just like, I don't want that. It's like, okay, that's fine. Just just, just put it over there. And then what does he do? He just sits there. 
Really? I'm like you to be trying to tear the house down. Yeah, no. You just sit. Oh, he'll try and get down. No, no. So you sit there until we're all done. And then he'll, he'll like, about halfway through, he'll go, Hey, Ben, Ben, have, have you have you finished? Mum, have you finished? Pam, have you finished? And he's going, no, mate, I haven't finished yet. And we'll, we don't rush. Just drink our wine and sit there and whatever. And the, t- the twins are just, they'll just fucking eat anything. Great. I've never seen them completely. Uh, the, they will more not eat when um, they've had lots of snacks. But, man, the fruit, like my fruit bill is just terrible. Yeah, that's a good problem. Right? That's they just will eat anything, yeah. any rock melon. I cut bits of rock melon up the other day, and Hilo, I swear, had a quarter of a rock melon, like either in his mouth or in his hand to be jamming yeah, in yeah, his yeah. mouth. So that's the that's the plan with the orchard. And I just bought another nine fruit trees this week. Yeah, cool. I bought some. Um, they're a native cherry. Yeah. Um, Gura Machina, I think they're called. Have yeah. you ever heard of that? No. Have you ever seen a Brazilian cherry? No. Oh, wow. I've got to bring one of them. I'm not a cherry lover, but I'm ashamed to admit. Oh, so we went and saw mates of ours in Tassie. I'm, I was the same. Never really liked ch- cherries, like the normal dark cherries that we get up here. Mm. Um, and we went to taste in Tassie. Mm. And um, one of the things, like you just go in and you get... You know, you just get a little plate of something and you come back and you eat it. It's, it's all uh, the whole. It's an awesome little idea. Just here's what Tasmania tastes like. Go and sort of try it and see what you like. And they had these little bowls of raspberries, and they're probably one of the best fruit experiences I've ever had in my life. They're just so packed full of flavour. Yeah. And anyway, I'm raving about this to my Tassie mates, and they're like, "Oh, well, there's a fruit picking farm just north of Hobart. We'll go up there." And they had raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, cherries. So this is in summer, obviously. Yeah, it's like just after New Year's. Yeah. Um, so I went and I've just charged off. They had like a, a you know, a box this sort of size. Um, and I've just charged off up the raspberries, but it was like right at the end of raspberry season. So there's a couple of these little anemic raspberries. I'm so disappointed. All I wanted was this like kilo of raspberries. And so I wander up into the cherry and they had like 20 rows of cherries and the first 10 rows of these, the normal black ones. And I'm, you could eat whatever you wanted while you picked. And I'm like tasting a few, uh, fucking cherries, cherries are a bit boring. And it got to these ones and they were like, like a pale pink. They lo- almost looked like an unripe cherry, like right. they hadn't ripened properly. Yeah. Picked one of them and tasted one and just threw everything in my bucket out and just filled my box with these cherries fuck they were unbelievable yeah right I've n- never tasted fruit like it before or since mate Tassie is the best for produce like hands down when I was there it blew me away how fucking good it is and you walk through the markets I was there the opposite end so I was there in winter but you walk through the markets and you see the like um, turnips and all the root veggies just pristine it's yeah. and the only other place I've been that you see like that's Europe where, where the care that's given to the preparation of what's presented to buy in the markets like everything bundled up beautifully yeah, with yeah. like nice twine just respect for a bit so that's what a gurumachina looks like so oh yeah a, a Brazilian cherry is like looks like a little pumpkin with those little four leaves coming out of the bottom incredibly tart um really really I don't know how to describe it what that they're, they're really tart 
but when they ripen, they get a sort of sweet note as well. Right. So yeah. Okay. And they've got a massive seed in them, like a almost like a macadamia sized seed in them. Yeah. Right. Um, make really good jam or. Um, you do anything with the seeds? I don't know. Never tried. Because we uh, we've been drying out a fair few. Mm, you showed me the the what was it? You showed me last week. Making syrups out of them, and smashing them up into different things. But the, I don't um, really get into pistachio it. seeds. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Fresh pistachio is the best. And fucking nuts. And so that's the other one. So when we're in Tassie, walnuts that were down there. And I actually went down, this was a few years back now, but it was with um, Alison Alexander. Yeah. So she knows her shit like better than anyone as well. She's kind of like what, the Margaret Fulton of Queensland. Would you say that? Sorry if I offend you by saying that, Alison, you're listening. But she was incredible to go around there. She really knows her stuff. And, and the walnuts that you get down there. So, so she was like, you know, you got walnuts, and it's like, no, 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 you don't want those walnuts. Like, she just know that they, they're like last seasons. And yeah. You can't trust them the rest of it. And then you come oh, around. Just by looking at them in the shop. She just know. And then oh, you get, she picked these ones, you go, yep, these are the ones you get them. And you open it up, and inside, they're, they're like, see, so you know when you open a walnut and you look at your walnut, and it's like a, a off brown blondie color, right? With yeah. the skin on it. These are like fucking white. Like you get the nut yeah, out of the middle right. and it's white. No skin on it. Well, the skin's there, but you just don't notice it. Yeah. And when you eat it, it's like, you know when you normally, you'll eat a walnut and it'll break apart and the little crumbs in your mouth and everything. These were like waxy. Yeah, right. In texture. So like soft and giving. Yep. And they were just unbelievable. So good. I should make a deal with you to, to plant some, um, ex, uh, what do you call it? Pine nut trees that are advanced. Because evidently pine nuts, once you have one tree, like you never run out of pine nuts. Yeah, like, right. That like you, you just seen a pine cone, and yeah. each each one's got like a hundred grams of nuts in it, and like a, a pine nut tree, a big one will drop like fifty pine cones in a season, and you, they drop, and you just pick them up off the ground and tap them, and all the pine nuts fall out. Really? So I've got one pine nut tree planted, but I bought it as a seedling, and I bought it with the. Um, uh, it's got truffle, white truffle, impregnated yeah. in the roots, and you get a certificate with it that says they put it under a microscope and it's got the truffle on it, and you know, guaranteed white truffle. Yeah, not the good truffle. I think it's the, the crappier truffle. But well, so you're not talking about like white alba truffles, which you can't really get anywhere else. White well, truffles are the best. Uh, uh, whatever the truffle is, it's not the really, really good one. It's the less right. tasty one. Okay. Because um, I remember talking to. Who's the lady that does all the truffles in Brisbane? Yes. Yeah. And she said, yeah, it's not as good, but it'll, it's for Queensland, that's probably the best you're going to get. Um, but I just want pine nuts. Like, I use pine nuts fucking all the time. And I want to be able to go... And they're like so, 60 bucks a kilo. I just want to be able to go, tap, I'm going to make a pesto with my own pine nuts. That's, that's my... Uh, so I've got to admit, right, I'm going to admit probably shamefully here, I'm opening myself up with major criticism, but I just don't fucking get pine nuts. Really? Why do you love them? Uh, I just love pesto. They taste like tissues. I think I love pesto more than... <laughs> um, pesto and... tissues often. Well, yeah, come on, everyone eats tissues, right? Like, I was going to say toilet paper, but I knew where you were going to go with it. But, you know, when you eat that sort of paper, not paper, paper, like tissue. But I bet I bet you it'd be like the walnuts. I bet if you tried fresh ones, probably it'd be mind. it'd be a different thing. Look, if I make pesto, I don't usually use pine nuts anyway because I, I agree. Like unless you get really nice fresh ones, they're pretty shit. Like the Chinese ones are crap. 
Yeah, like they, they taste pretty, taste pretty bland. But yeah, like I just I don't get it. Like, I'm pretty keen to try bunion nuts though. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were talking about that last week. I've never tried a bunion nut, and I really want to try it. I want to make bunion nut pesto. I love pesto. Yeah, see, that's just next level pesto, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, Brazil nuts is my pesto nut that I use all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil nuts is another nut that's just forgotten. Yeah, it's awesome. Best eating nut for sure. So I think I'm going to need a blanket in a minute because Julie's turned up the <laughs> yeah, air conditioning to, to, to Asian mode. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It's it's, it's it's autumn in Brisbane now, Julie. You can you can back off a bit. Yeah. So you you're, you're a bit angry about something, Ben. Before Are you gonna have a rant. Oh no. Come on, mate. I'm off, I should. Okay. Be a little bit controversial. I'm trying to play it down. Well, Sal's not here, so it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel right. If Sal was here, and Sal's oh, actually she, been on the case of this one. If, if Sal had been here, we would have we would have hit this about thirty five minutes ago. We'd have, I reckon we would have been halfway into before you even started recording. <laughs> I just sort of had to, to record halfway through. Yeah, look, I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to get into it, but I don't know if I should. I think I should check my P's and Q's. And I've, I've be, calmed down a bit. Be from a good member how of the community. I was on the weekend. I feel better now. So. I'm going to be the bigger person, I think. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about the lockout laws. Yeah. It was a little interesting tidbit that came up today about how much um, real estate prices have gone up in King's Cross in Sydney. Really? Isn't that interesting? So interesting. <laughs> because and that's you, what's behind it because all, like, really, isn't if, it? If you think of all the corruption that's happened in New South Wales, where that's come from, and the fact that we don't have... Um, developer like we don't have any rules in Queensland to stop developers just massively donating to political parties yeah I would love to know who's who's in in the politicians ears at the moment in Queensland about developing because if, if there's a a proven thing that ha- like real estate prices in those areas will go up if you bring in lockout laws yeah then yeah then it comes to a little bit compromised I reckon but the, the thing that you told me last week about, and I read that again today about, uh, so the, the article I read today was talking about a whole bunch of overseas businessmen that, that were at a conference, went out to a pub. Um, you know, the conference finished quite late because they were packing everything up, went out and had some dinner. They've gone to a club, sitting down, the guy orders a single malt scotch. Obviously, an expensive single malt yeah. scotch. And the, and the barman's basically going, if you want that, you're going to have to have a mix with it. And he's like, fuck off. I'm not paying 30 bucks for a scotch. Isn't it fucked up? And then putting Coca-Cola in it. Are you fucking off your tree? And he's like, that's what the laws are in New South Wales, mate. You know, I'm really sorry. And the whole group, 15 of them, upped and walked out. Now... And then the worst thing is you can't even go to a late night bottle and get a bottle of scotch and go and drink it in your room. No. If you want to get it, though, you can go to the casino. You can go Uh, to the casino and get it. Who wants to go there, though, really? Like, it's to be avoided at all costs. But I just... But look, if there's anything... If there's going to be a plus made from any of this is that hopefully maybe they'll gentrify the valley a little bit because it does kind of need it. Like, that, that strip up there that runs down to the train station up in the valley is the fucking arsehole of Australia. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it really is. I fucking hate it. Just on that road. It's fucking rank. It's mm. so shit. Shit bars and clubs and... Hopefully all this comes through and then, you know, I don't know. Look, there's something to be said for it, but it, 
I don't, I don't think that any of this is really going to affect me anyway. It's not like I'm out drinking at four in the morning no. anymore. Like that, that, that's past. But it's just kind of like what, what you, about, you just um, feel like you're being fucking nannied. What about attracting, like, all your staff? Are they all Queenslanders, or are they come from everywhere just because it's they want to work in a good restaurant? Mainly Queenslanders, but uh, yeah, kind of all over the place, I guess. What I'm getting at is, uh, are the good, like, the good young chefs that do want to go out and after work, uh, after work, and have yeah. a party and feel like they're part of a culture, like. I would imagine that being a young chef learning is all about, you know, you, you go and work and you work hard and then you go out and you party with your mates or you party with other young chefs and it's that whole cultural mix of being in a city that feels like it's, it's a little bit like being a musician. It's totally true. And if you can't, if there's nothing there to foster that, like, you know, when you're young, you're sort of bouncing off a whole heap of other people. I know I was. And if you don't have that, then do well, you... Well, the worst thing is, right, you know, we, we get violent people in the kitchen anyway, right? And if someone's violent by nature, they're going to fucking fight people no matter what time of the day it is. Yeah. So it really doesn't make any sense, the reasons that they're putting all this through. Well, in, that... Outside of monetary gain, financial profit. Oh, like, yeah. I, I made... I've got a couple of mates that are massively, massively for the lockouts. And I'm like, if they were... If they were serious about the lockouts for years... The, Why the fuck would you be for it? Uh, well, this guy works in hospitals, particularly in ERs, and so he sees the, the, the end game of the violence. So he's just... Yeah, but they're still going to come in. They're just going to come in from that's, Woodridge. That's what I said, yeah. All you're going to do is move it to house parties, you know, it's no where, where you're not going to have bounces, you're not going to have any control, um, you know, like... The easy, the easy, easiest fix has been sitting there for years, which is get fucking public transport right. Exactly. Let people get in and out of the place quickly and easily. Don't have like a lot of the violence that I used to see was people leaving a venue and then getting frustrated, having to wait to get food or to get transport. Yeah, totally. You're you totally know? right. Um, or really big groups. Um, Really big groups, like large crowd dynamics is a real art and it's really hard to, to control. So encourage smaller venues, you know. Let let everything sort of spread out and chill a little bit and let people move around between, you know, this restaurant and this bar and this club and, and, and you know, have that sort, of, that sort of to and fro going. But Queensland liquor licensing doesn't like hate small venues well how's the thing right and this and how's the irony you just reminded me I forgot about it I shouldn't really talk about politics too much because I really don't know that much about it but the the, the deal that was made with the Cata Party mm. to get him on board to vote to, to be the, the deciding yeah, vote to get it over for it the deal that was brought was that Uber gets fucking no more Uber the law's against Uber yeah so it's like, yeah, let's do this lockout. Let's do all this, but let's let's minimise people's ability to, <laughs> to get, get home. home. So let's let's, <laughs> let's let's do that, but lock them all out on the fucking streets at the same time and and cripple them to be able to move on. It'd be very interesting. I actually should talk to my wife about this. About if someone does some stats about how much violence happens in that lockout period, mm. um, and whether you're just going to. Because the people that want to, people that want to get toasted are going to get toasted. Whether it's, it, it, they'll just start earlier or they'll drink faster. And there's always, like, I don't know. Do you get how much liquor licensing do you have come through your place with RSA and stuff like that? 
Yeah. All the time. But it's mainly with us. It's the wankers over the back fucking complaining about the noise. Oh, man. Don't get me started about fucking noise. Live oh. in the, they live in a fucking valley and they complain about the fucking noise. Like, we, used to, we used to have little... I used to run... Um, so, you know the two churches up at... Uh, up up the top here, yeah. up near the, the mall. Yeah, yeah. I used to run the bigger one. And we used to have liquor licensing and they basically come and stand there with their... Decimator, yeah. Decimator in front of the fucking PA yeah. and go, you're too loud. And I'd go out to the front because we had like baffle doors, you know, so it wasn't straight out onto the street. Yeah. And I'd go and stand out the front and I'd go, I'd put the DB meter back towards the venue and then I'd put the DB meter out to the street as a bus went past. And I'm like, that fucking bus is louder to the people up in those apartments that are complaining about me than my fucking venue. What the fuck are you guys doing? And they're like, mate, said 110 where I took my reading. Gonna fucking fine you. I had about six grand in fines when I left there. Fucking bureaucrats. Because you can't, you can't, like music... Like, particularly, we used to have a lot of hardcore stuff, and you just can't play it at 95 dB. It just sounds terrible. Yeah, of course. Um, and the crowd just melts away at 95 dB. Uh, it's like, so, look, it's so frustrating, B-Son. Like, it got to the point where during the day... And, like, liquor licensing, to, to their credit, they haven't been too bad with us over in the bar. But he... They kept, they'd literally come... And in the beginning, the guys that lived over there, there was one guy that was spearheading it all, like... Mm-hmm. Call him Mr. Mangles, right? Over in the body corporate, he was yeah. riling them all up and getting all this stuff done. And he was saying stuff like, "We're going to get you shut down. Like, we don't yeah. like you." And the com- the complainant has, uh, 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 admittedly, it's been eight or nine years since I've been in the industry. But yeah. in my day, the, the person complaining had way more power, way more effect on the process than the venue. Like, we were basically powerless. And if someone complained, it gave liquor licensing a whole raft of options to do stuff to us that we had no recourse. And like you'd pay, we paid a consultant yeah. to like be our legal representation. I might as well have not paid him because he could just he had nothing he could do. Yeah, tired, yeah. He just say, "Look, they don't like you. They they really just don't like you. <laughs> You're fucked." Well, these guys, look, and they, they were ringing every week and trying to do this, and I was saying that, and they were, he was coming over and holding his decimeter over the back and making videos of people opening the back door or not. And like, the licensing was saying that what, when the music's playing inside, we can't have the back door being accessed. Yeah. It needs to stay closed. And it's like, well, how are we going to get the fucking bins out when we're getting <laughs> smashed? Like, how are we going to do any of this? Yeah. It ended up kind of blowing over, and it meant like a happy medium. But every week they'd ring with licensing, and they'd come out, and it got to the point where licensing were getting fed up, and getting phone calls because they'd come in and we're like, "Mate, we're doing everything by the books. Here's our reading from every night. These, this is what we're testing. Like, you can come at any time. Like, any time any of the guys from the back rung us, we were nothing but nice to them. Yeah. Oh, we're really sorry. Sorry, we'll try to take care of that. Like, it's yeah. not. We're not here to ruffle feathers and all that official shit, right? Like, yeah. But which is which is mad. Like if you were in Bean Lee or Logan or something like that, fair enough. You're out in fucking suburbia. But if you're in the exactly. nightlife fucking centre of Brisbane, then when they build those apartments, they should not let them build them without soundproofing. Like you should be able to commit serial fucking crimes in those apartments, and no Dude, one should be able to. It's not even hear like we're open till four a.m. Like we shut at one. Yeah. During the week, we shut at 12. Like, it's really if, not that If big you big. want to go to bed at 8 o'clock like I do, then fucking move out where I do. Buy a farm where no one can fucking oh, hear. And it, and it got to the point where we can't now... So you've been in the venue and you've seen it, right? Like it's basically just like a big bunker. Yeah. 
big concrete bunker. So the back door is like a really nice, it raises right up and it's completely open. So when that's open and there's like a green garden out the back and everything, you get a beautiful breeze coming through the venue. Like during the day, that's That's what we wanted to have. And like to sit down on that big hanging concrete table at the back with the fresh breeze and the sound and the garden and stuff. It's so nice. Well, we can't fucking open it anymore. It has to stay shut even during the day. So whenever there's music playing in the venue, that back door must be shut. So it's like a mute point now. Like like any music? Any music. So at the end of the night, when we take everything out and clear it out and take it out of the bins and stuff, you turn the music. we have to turn the music off to get the, to get the <sighs> bags out. Oh. Yeah, so it's fucked up. So they're basically saying, we're going to cripple one of the things about your... Like, you live in fucking Brisbane. It's hot. Yeah. It's, that's insane. And it was like, it was we, we were trying to play a game with them. Like, it's not... We are playing ball. It's not like we were just going, no, yeah. fuck you, we're going to do what we want. Which, yeah. to be honest, we probably should have had the right to do that. It's like, but we were being nice and like trying to adjust and everything, but they just were, no, yeah. There's always one person, and there was one person in the apartments across from us. And it's like, uh, you know, that just basically didn't like live music. That was the thing. They didn't like live music. Like, you could see it in the submissions that they put in. They just didn't like live music. And it's like, well, why are you here? Yeah. Like, if you run us out of this venue... Where was this? Um, when? Where? So, yeah, the two... you know the two churches? So this is in the heart of the valley. Yeah, yeah. Like, up on... To the, the street down from the mall. Yeah. Um, fuck, it's been so long ago. I've forgotten what the street name is. No, 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 the one. Um, like, if, if you're there... Like, if you run us out, then... Someone else is going to come in and take this venue over and play music, you know? Club, live music, it's going to be a music venue. Something loud is going to be coming out of that building. Of course. No matter what you do, all you can do is you'll shut down one guy and someone else will move in. That venue is never going to be empty. It's never going to get turned into another apartment block. Yeah. Because they're both heritage listed. You can't knock them down. That's all they're going to be, is is music venues. So, I don't see what you're trying to fucking do mm. like if you're really not that happy with the sound then you're gonna have to move but you know that, that wasn't their attitude so mm. anyway I've got a little rant out of you haven't you yeah you think a little one I'm bloody tired today hey I just don't have the chat don't, don't have the chat <laughs> that's why I decided to leave the other one alone it's uh yeah fuck I'm sure Sal will bring it up if you're gonna have one with her tonight you're gonna yeah. ask her about it she'll bring it up Oh well, I'll say Ben was going to rant about something. What is it? I can play Devil's Advocate. (laughs) So it was Sally's rant, not mine. All right, mate. Well, thanks for for jumping in. Mate, you're more than welcome. I'm sorry I'm not my usual chirpy, controversial self. When when my Brazilian cherries come back on, I'll bring you some in. Mate, please do. You can school me in the ways of waffles, and I'll school you in the ways of uh, steamed rice. (laughs) Yeah, well, the next one I'm going to try is the... um, because so I do like breakfast as a me- I really like breakfast. Do you? Yeah. I don't get it. Really? My wife's mad for breakfast. Yeah. I actually had a huge argument with her on Saturday night at night because I don't get up in the mornings, right? This is the biggest thing, right? It's a massive sticking point in our relationship at the moment. And look, I understand and I get it and I'm trying. But like I finish late. I get back late. Yeah. I'm just a night person. So I need that extra hour in the mornings all the difference to me. And then when I do get up, it takes me a while to get going. I'm like a, <laughs> like I'm like a shitty old Datsun or yeah. something, you know. Like it takes a while to, to get the engine running, but um, 
Yeah, she's all about breakfast. She loves it. She's like, I can't remember the last time you took me for breakfast. You know, I love it. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking sorry. Though, I actually, th- <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what your restaurant's like, but I worked at, um, I probably shouldn't say that, but you know, Salt at Rosalie. Yeah. Um, when I quit the pubs and I was just kicking around, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I used to go and work. Just, I'd do a little bit of front of house, I'd do a little bit of kitchen handwork in there. And I couldn't believe how much of a production line breakfast is. It's rubbish. Because you got to pump that shit out. Yeah, like yeah. Breakfast is so busy. And look, Pre- they, pre-cooked bacon, pre-cooked, pre-cooked uh, eggs. No, 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 they didn't have that, but they had, um, no, that, that he, had, he had some standards. But, um, but like, he'd have all the bacon, you know, ready to go, and, and like, everything was there ready to go. And, like, my back, back of house job was the um, Turkish bread French toast. Right. So he had all these Turkish bread sliced up, in the egg mix yeah. overnight and he just had these cubes full of them and he had a sandwich press and a bottle of olive oil and a squirt bottle <laughs> French toast put it turn it over so he got all on both sides and like you could just pump that shit out so quick isn't it demoralising though like, but I, I just thing. couldn't like it It didn't feel like cooking to me it just no. felt like a production line yeah, that's what it is but man that place was packed you, you would Every every Saturday Sunday morning, he was turning people away. They loved it for, and he cooked good stuff, but it didn't feel like cooking to me. Shoot me now, I fucking hate it. I just don't get it. Whereas I, I people would, come and they'll sit and they want to eat breakfast, right? And they want it fucking now. Yeah, and they <laughs> want right. my coffee fucking now, and it's got to be hot. If it's not hot, it's going back. And really? fucking, that's not good enough. I, I love and that. I'm paying four bucks for my coffee. It's better be a good one. Because it's four bucks and fifteen bucks for my bacon and eggs, like fucking, that wasn't good enough. Like your bacon and eggs suck. It's like it's fifteen fucking dollars. Like who's making money out of that? No one. No one's fucking making money out of that. See, I, I fucking hate it. Like, but but at home, I love breakfast. I love. Yeah, but cook breakfast at home. It's so f- yeah. fucking waffles, mate. Like yeah. just waffles. Like so, so, we literally had waffles, um, waffles. Uh, streaky bacon, good streaky bacon, because I only buy good stuff. Yeah. Um, rock melon and good maple syrup. It's fucking awesome. Maybe way better than any shitty cafe breakfast you had in Brisbane. And right? about four coffees. Yeah. <laughs> well, mate, I'll have sixteen pre twelve. <laughs> um, nil, nil by mouth except for coffee for me until midday most days. And I don't get to do it very often, but I love making my own croissants. Yeah. That's fucking. That's gold. That's pretty yeah, advanced piece of it. Oh, Julie, join us. Yeah. Just remember, <laughs> none of this is making it onto the mic because the oh, mic's this high. Yum, kanji. Yeah, the Asians do breakfast right. Yeah. So that's that's what I would like to... I would, Kudos, Julie. I would love to... You can take to, credit for your entire... Uh, I would love to expand my breakfast repertoire. And what's the... Sorry, what's the... You've got me excited now. What's the, the rice thing that they do for breakfast in Malaysia? It's like fried rice. Yeah, the mark. So good, and it's like fermented, and you, and you have the the, the shrimp paste, the anchovy thing, fucking good, man. Oh. See, that's breakfast. The best, the not be- this fucking grilled focaccia with bacon and avocado and a poached egg with my smoked salmon side and my soy latte, wow. orange mocha frappe fucking chino. Yeah, we yeah, that, that's that, that's, no that's not a bad idea, an Asian thing. Um, but in saying that, like, and this is the thing, right? 
And I reckon I'm a bit jaded. All right, Bezo, I'm fired up now. Let's keep rolling. All right. I'm good. So, so it's obviously no secret that I hate this shit, right? Mm. And I think I'm a bit jaded by what I do every day. I'm not jaded by it, but it's kind of oh, I like what I do with dinner and lunch and having having making meals that make people happy and complex and people are happy to pay a decent price for it. And it's interesting and it's thought provoking, right? Whereas breakfast to me is just you getting fed and you're leaving. Like that's that's how I see it. But then, like in, in Asian cultures, like Julie said, like it's actually a lot more complex, and it's quite good, and it's tasty, and it's full of the money. Like it's just it's it's really good. Congee's great, Nasi Lemak, like all these things we're talking about. But bubble. but anyway, so yeah. I'm like that, and I'm thinking. So the only way I see it is we do breakfast, right? And I look at breakfast that we do on Saturday and Sunday, and I'm like, I'm almost positive we make no money out of this. And if we do, okay. well, it's pretty thought, limited. I always thought breakfast was a high profit. Because you bang it out so quick. I always thought it was a high profit thing. Yeah, but is it? I don't know. Like, like how many would... We like, crunch numbers on it. I'm, look, my business partners will tell me I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we don't make that much out of it compared to lunch and dinner, right? And so even still, we don't make heaps. Yeah, that's fucked up. That was my Christmas breakfast. It's terrible. That was avoca- avocado, uh, rosti... Smoked salmon on a baked mushroom yeah, and hollandaise. Gluten-free. Good on you. It was the fucking gluten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was you substituted bread for a, for a portobello mushroom. Well done. That was very you. tasty, though. It would have been tasty, I'm sure. I just, look, I don't get it. Like, and you're never going to compare it. But bubble and squeak is, though, is my all-time favourite. There's nothing no, better bre- than bubble Breakfast and to me is last night's curry. <sighs> if I'm yes. hungry... Breakfast to me is cold pizza. Bolognese, leftover bolognese, and yeah, yeah, or or curry, um, any any of that slow cook stuff. I love breakfast in winter. Any yeah. of that slow cook stuff, and you, you just heat it back up, and then you just pull no, it apart, and see. you put your eggs in it on some toast. Fuck, I love I love breakfast. You see, that's effort, and that nullifies the whole thing. So. What you got to do is you grab the container cold from the fridge and you yeah. grab a spoon and you just smash it cold. <laughs> well, that's better than what I thought you were going to say, which is you whack it in the microwave and I would have... Uh... But it's, look, anyway, but this is what I'm getting to. So, I'm gonna, I hope you're not listening, Kim, and I hope you don't get upset, upset by me saying this. But Kim, so Kim Machen, right? I used to work with Kim over at Main Euro and I loved Kim's food in Urbane. I loved it. And he was his dishes were a bit hit and miss from time right but when he hit he hit hard and they were fucking good dishes and very complex and very tasty I like what he did but at the time when I worked with him he was just over the industry and he was jaded by it and he just had enough and he'd had enough of his business partners and you know so he went and he opened a cafe out in Jindley and I spoke to him last week this is like what four years later and he's fucking never been happier just cruising around mate he made we did the variety of chefs dinner last year and the year before, right? And they've asked him back to do it because he's been a long time serving them before it and the rest of it. And he, he, hands down, he's one of the he's he's very good at what he does. Yeah. Extremely good knowledge with food, good execution. I like him. Like he, he, I have a lot of respect for him. But he went and did this, and it's easy for people to go around and say, "Oh, we just fucking sold out." Like he broke, and you know, you want to poo poo it and the rest of it. Man, he's never been fucking happier. And yeah. I saw him, and he's out doing this dinner, and he's like, I don't give a fuck. And he's like, I've changed it so many times. And he's, he's, we're in a car park in Jindley, and he goes, I'm, surround, I'm surrounded by um, 
by health clubs, right? Like yeah. it's all fitness clubs and stuff yeah. and all that. And he goes, I just do fucking paleo food. I don't give a shit. Like I just serve it up. It's tasty paleo food and they fucking line up for it. But if he's doing but he's still doing good stuff. No, he's killing it. Like no, it's not even okay, like he's so doing, like, it's not even like he's he's not even, I don't think you even think he's even trying. So we live sort of between Beanley and Tambourine, right? So the nearest decent feed for dinner for me is songbirds. Right. And I'm going to pay top dollar there. Sure. You know? And that that's hard because they don't do lunch. Uh, maybe they do do lunch now. They didn't before. But, like, so if we want to go out at night and it's not really kid-friendly, I'm not going to rock up there with three kids. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not a... Uh, so if he, if he was in Bean Lee, I'd eat there once a week. You know, like he's 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 one of Brisbane's best chefs, and he, he was fucking iconic. Like yeah. he ran one chef a year multiple times, like two-headed restaurant. He he was you know before Squires opened up Esquire and stuff. You know, like he, it was he all, was he was, him the, man. was the man. You yeah. know, like he was everyone. It was the hardest kitchen in Brisbane. Like and then he's gone back and done that. But look, speaking to him, I got nothing to respect for him now. It's just like he just fucking. But he probably it. doesn't work. Well, he's opening another weeks. one. He's doing it. He's doing another one. Well, he wasn't the beginning. He slugged it out to set up the business. But now he's opening another one. I can't remember where he said it's going to be, but another local one. He's opening up a food store in Adelaide. And he's just fucking expanding and taking on. He goes like, "I've got money to go on holidays. Like I don't even care." Like, yeah. This is this isn't an industry that's notorious. The chefs are notoriously underpaid for what they do. Yeah, which is insane. But like, do you reckon he would get eighty percent of the local population eating there? Let's get him in on the show and ask so. him. Do you, want, do you want me to get, yeah, I'll give him a ring yeah. and we'll get him in get for a chat. In. Because I reckon if, like say you moved this week to Logan Home, right? Yep. And, you know, you started, well, Billy, probably, it's not that far out, but my, the guy that lives with me at the moment, he said, fuck, I had the best breakfast the other day. I said, oh yeah, where'd you go? Billy Cart Kitchen. Raved about it. Yeah. At Anogra. Yeah. Right? And he said it was packed. Yeah. That's it's it's not quite out Inaugura. of the city, another Annalee. Annalee, sorry, yeah. but you know it's not quite out of the city. It's not like it's not like deep suburbia, but it is suburbia, and and Ryan basically said, look, I'm sick of uh, we go to the same place for breakfast all the time. And what did he have? So it was like a poached egg, but it was deep fried, and the tail of the the egg was like crisp. He just the way he described it, it was like the best breakfast experience he'd had in ten years' time. Um, Mate, I hope you're listening, Ben, because you should be happy. And I fucking like Ben O'Donoghue yeah. a lot. He's a fucking really stand-up guy. And like Ryan didn't, Ryan doesn't know who Ben O'Donoghue is. It's not the celebrity chef thing. He had no idea. He literally googled um, top ten breakfast breakfast um, yep. places in Brisbane, and he googled it and went on like Brisbane Times and, and like went to all the different so he lists. Researched it. And, and found the one place that popped up on all the lists. So, like, he was looking for a commonality, and he's like, okay, well, that one's near us. We're going to go there. So he had no idea who Ben O'Donoghue was, but, man, he, look, the way he described the, the food it really made an impact on him, and he said it was packed. Good on him. See, this is also feeding my argument that breakfast people are fucking mad. <laughs> he researched that hard to where he was going to go and have a $15 breakfast. I think he paid more than fifty oh, bucks. Well, sorry, I'm, I'm, but but well, my back I just don't my... fucking get it. People are so mental for breakfast. Brisbane's obsessed with it. 
How many fucking breakfast cafes are they in this town? Go for a drive down Paddington. Yeah. Go up Latch Road Terrace. Yeah. It's fucking all breakfast. But, but, but back to my point, if you opened a, a restaurant or a cafe, you know, not, not formal dining, but like a, a bistro, would you call it yeah. a bistro? In, in Beanley or Logan Home or somewhere like down that way, then I tell you, the word would get out and you would just have the loyalest customers in forever because if you're if you're in my situation and you it's hard to get out traveling to the valley or traveling to brisbane it's it's an actual it's a real effort and to go if you've got somewhere close that's friendly that serves really good food you just go fuck it it's just you will just you'll just shun everywhere else and go to that place all the time we went to a local club pub or whatever for dinner one night, like early dinner, five thirty with the kids, um, and we paid restaurant sort of prices like thirty bucks for a main. I got ribs, and they're fucking terrible. They obviously PFD Foods obviously sell them pre cooked pork ribs in a barbecue sauce, and they just re and they whacked them in the oven for ten minutes and put them with some chips and salad. You'd know better than anyone, wouldn't you? Like, I was, I, was, I was like, do one thing to them. Do something to make them interesting. But this was fucking shit. I, was, I felt ripped off. I felt completely ripped off. And I was just like, I said to Vanessa, I said, fucking next time, I know it's nice to get out of the house and do something, but next time, just tell me what you want to eat and we'll eat at home. See, but I still love a pub now. Like, yeah. I'll, sm- I'll smash a fucking signature steak with a peppercorn sauce yeah. at the pub. Like, But what... But, thinking about it now actually makes me want it. <laughs> but do you, would you get disappointed if you knew it, would, it was fucking pre-cooked and just reheated? Yeah, you can't pre-cook a steak. Like, no, but there's a lot of stuff that they do do that's, that's fucking pre-cooked. I just wouldn't order that stuff, though. Yeah, see, that's the thing. You know not to order. Like, I should have been... Like, afterwards, I was probably... Actually, I was probably mad at myself more for fucking... It's like when you go to a place like that, Going right? to stuff and going, oh, fuck, they Like, I should have gone for something I know they have to cook on premises. Like, another Queensland, or another Australian obsession, right? Salt and pepper squid. Fuck mm-hmm. knows where it even came from, but Australia's just obsessed with it. You go to somewhere on the beach, like a beachfront restaurant, you have salt and pepper squid, you know it's going to be pretty tasty and it'll be all right. right? Yeah. Like, you'll enjoy it. You go to a pub and you see salt and pepper squid, mm-hmm. you know it's going to be some piece of shit from a fucking plastic bag that's just thrown in the deep fryer. It's going to taste fucking crap. Terrible. And look crap. You just don't order it. Mm. Stick one to of, the steak and peppercorn sauce. That's one of my best well. experiences, <laughs> we came, we went to, um, went camping in the Barrington Tops with uh, my in-laws and it was one of the fucking coldest weeks I've ever had in my life. It rained the whole week. Fucking thunder, massive storms. Camping for a week. Yep freezing cold and we came down the down the range into Newcastle and we stopped at this pub and I'm just like oh man this is just going to be a shit meal but they did pub food well done so I got crumb lamb cutlets mashed potato and gravy and it was some of the best fucking lamb cutlets I've ever had in my life who doesn't love a fucking crumb lamb cutlet oh, it was brilliant I just I just <laughs> wanted to I just wanted to go can I have 20 more of these, please. Mate, we, I'll, I'll tell you something. So when I came back from the Middle East and I started, I got a job in Perth. I fell into it, actually, with a catering company. And I was like, senior sushi for them. Their number one canopy that had to be on every fucking <laughs> we were into was crumb lamb cutlets. Yeah. Well, that's... People just went apeshit for it. Yeah. yeah, but it's crumb. So you crumb it in like a, with parmesan, 
lemon zest and heaps of herbs, thyme and rosemary, nuts. Like all that stuff. Nuts. nuts, like so good. Yeah, that's that's another one that gets a little bit less now because they're fucking expensive. But um, if you don't like lamb, you're an Australian. Sorry. Oh man, and lamb cutlets are just. Julie, you don't like lamb? No. You said you've lived here for forty years. How can you not like lamb? You, not even a cutlet. What about lamb shoulder? Slow cook lamb shoulder. You're insane. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's so that's, good. That's like not liking pork belly. But then that's even insane. like the, the well, Julie's from Malaysia, so I guess Indonesia. Indonesia. Sorry. <laughs> Same dog. Same dog. Different leg. <laughs> See, uh, it, it, so I guess lamb's not big over there at all, is it? But, like some parts of China, their lamb is fucking really good. Yeah. Like Sichuan with lamb, awesome. That's what disappointed me when I went to New Zealand. Was their lamb was terrible. Really? Terrible. I did not get a single. Di- in, in, we were there for two weeks. I did not get one piece of. It all goes overseas. All their good stuff goes overseas. Got some of the it's best. They all fuck it. They don't need it. <laughs> Got some of the best bacon I've eaten ever. They make awesome bacon down there. But their lamb from their butcher shops was. Right, here's another one. Who spent time in London or England? Have you spent any time over there? The fucking pork in that country is abominable. Yeah, right. It's so bad. It tastes so porky. And I've had multiple arguments. I've got two Brits in the kitchen. I have massive arguments with them about it. Bacon in London is the piggiest tasting shit you've ever put in your mouth. It's horrible. So what, what bacon do you use in your restaurant? What do you uh, get from? We get bacon from... Um, we don't use much. So we do do bacon for breakfast. So, okay, there's a story here, and I'll get to that. But <laughs> we, so the guys at uh, Quattrostelli in Sydney that make all the, a lot of the, we use a lot of their salumi in the bar yeah. uh, through Fino Food and Wine, Michael Dalton, absolute gentleman mm. in Brisbane. But he, um, he has more loins left over from the cured bellies than he knows what to do with. So yeah. he turns it all to bacon. So he cures it and he hot smokes it and does it. It's really bloody good bacon. And it's really just a side project for him using the byproducts. Yeah. And I quite I like it. I don't but like we, line, but anyway. No, well, we, we... So this is the thing, right? But, okay. but, but, so, most, but 90% of people will want that bacon. They want shortcut bacon, not streaky. I would prefer streaky. I'm with you all the way. Yeah, so yeah. But I'm like, afraid of fat. Most people will go... I've seen people buy, like, you know, you get the full length rasher and they will cut the... Drinky often push it to the side. Fuck that. Why? And just eat the wine. Anyway, look, that's what we use. But so breakfast in the bistro, I don't know if you've been in, you've seen it. And what we do is it's different. So I always said in the beginning, if we're going to do breakfast on Saturday, Sundays, it has to be different. I'm not doing avocado okay, on toast. I'm not doing all that shit. Like it, no smashed over at Gerard's, no. mate? Well, we kind of do, but we do a take on it. And see, and that's <laughs> the catch. So anyway, we kept going. And in the beginning... I buckled the peer pressure from the owners and it's like you got to do a big breakfast with my partners with my and stuff. it's like well no we fucking don't he's like yeah you do just do it and I'm like alright we'll do it let's see how it goes and it was fucking shit and no one loved it and it didn't go well so we went back to basics we stripped it back but they kept saying everyone kept saying you got to do a bacon and eggs you have to have bacon and eggs on the menu so I'm like alright fuck it we'll do a bacon and eggs if we're doing bacon and eggs we'll do it on my terms and so we did a dish, so we used duck eggs and we 63 to gram for an hour. So 63, 63 minutes. Sous vide. 
eggs yeah sous vide and we crack them out and they come out perfect they're like a little bit it's kind of like the texture of a gel so two okay. things with the yolks and stuff two it, of them it, in a bowl is that worth doing the sous vide eggs it's the fucking best I've got a commercial sous vide machine sitting on my desk at work at the moment dude I refuse to do poached eggs we don't do poached eggs in the bistro at all so 60 if you have an eggs yeah. and then they're, they're not fried they're 63 degree and that's it and we don't do variation anymore either so do you just do them in a bag no no you just chuck the egg in the water in the water, straight in the yeah, CV yeah, water. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a circulator, is that what you're saying? I've got a, it's a multivac proper commercial CV machine. A cryovac machine? No, no, it's a, it's a CV. It's a circulator. Yeah. Right. It moves the water around. Immersion circulator. Yeah. So set it to 63 degrees. Now a lot of them will tell you 62. So if you set it to 62 degrees. Like I'm wondering how the egg just doesn't get destroyed. It really moves the water around. No, we just put them in like a fucking colander. There's okay. A colander in there. Yeah, yeah. And okay. the colander will spin, but the eggs will be all right. Yep. Okay. So things like that. But That's what I was wondering. The the eggs themselves. So if you go, this is the thing, one degree makes all the difference. So if you go 62 degrees for an hour and you take them out and then basically you just crack the egg and you just drop it out like an egg and it just ah. comes out perfect. Okay. So you're not, you're not cracking them. You do no, the whole egg. Whole okay. Egg. That makes more so the sense. the egg in the shell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it separates away, so when you crack it out, it just falls out. So you lose a little bit of the white in there, yeah. but you get this perfect little slow post egg shape. 62 degrees, you break into the yolk, and the yolk will be runny. Yeah. So it'll run on the plate. 63 degrees, it'll still run, but it'll be more like a gel consistency, so yeah. it'll be more like a toothpaste consistency. Yeah. So it's not cooked, but it's like, it's, it's jellified almost, you know? So it's, it's ne- has next, texture. Next time Aldi get do their um, home sous vide machine I reckon I might get one so oh, many great. so many totally. applications for them eggs that way I will I will not eat eggs any other way like it's so simple it makes perfect sense well, anyone if, that's anti that I'm telling you you're fucking anti it well, the thing for is, the sake if, of being anti it if I was doing breakfast like say I have a crew come down and help at the farm which yeah. I, I quite often get like we do a little project cups people come down I'll cook them all breakfast so I do pancakes because it's easy to bash out pancakes for 12 people. But I could do 20 eggs in the sous vide machine for an hour, just get up before everyone, whack them on, and they'd be perfect, just pop them out. Yeah. They'd be fucking gold. Mate, they're the best. I'm telling you. 63 degrees one hour, they're perfect. Duck eggs, way better than hen eggs. Yeah. Do it with duck eggs. Yeah, so I've got a little sauce of duck eggs. So. Sometimes, if the egg gets old, sometimes you'll crack them out and they'll fall apart a little bit. Yeah. So, like, they'll come apart and there'll be a runny part. So, oh. what we do, we normally crack it in a bowl and then we separate the good part away and then throw away the runny bits. Yeah. If you do it with duck eggs, they'll come out. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. There must be something in the makeup of the duck eggs that makes them more... Well, they're more, more yolk, less white too. But even the white, it's firmer. Yeah. It just, it just but I wonder better. whether it's... Because they cook differently, yeah. I wonder whether that mix of yolk versus white makes a difference. Be so try it. You'll be a mm. total convert. I'm actually tempted to just run in there now and show it <laughs> on just so you can eat it. <laughs> Have to start at the, the start, of, back, start at the podcast next week and and by the I time I finish, because that's a, that's about an hour. Well, I've got to try. Um, I've got to try the the raw uh, the raw meat. With the egg yet, patata, yeah. yeah. I've never tried that. Well, see, here's the other thing, right? So, if you want to have that, so, well, I guess it kind of nullifies it because the tartare is raw, but anyway, so pregnant women and stuff like that, people yeah. don't want to eat eggs that are raw and the rest of it. That's so what you, you do. You, well, you can do this 62 degrees, 63 degrees, and then you just separate the wire from the outside and you put the yolk on there, and it's essentially pasteurised. Yeah. So, you don't have to worry about anything else that's going on. Okay, cool. So, if we come in for dinner, 
are we better off surveying the menu and trying to find something we like or just leaving ourselves in your just hands? Just leave it in my hands. It's the best way to go. Okay, And cool. you'll definitely get more bang for your buck if you do that. Oh, it's I'll, more just... I'll get carried away. With... want to try something interesting. Yeah, yeah. Totally because that, that, that's the thing, I think, because we don't eat out very often, I sort of go out and I look at the menu and I want to have something that I know I'm going to like without... I don't push myself enough. When I eat out, if you leave it in my hands, what I'll do is, if you do that, I'll ask the question: Do you want to be challenged? Yeah. Or do you want to be safe? Yeah. If you want to be challenged, I'll give you stuff like sweetbreads and lamb's brains and quail blood cakes and things like that. (laughs) Vanessa won't like that. But if you don't tell her, she might not know. Uh, Possibly. (laughs) I don't really like. um... We do offal better than anyone else. I'm going to put that out there and say it. Like, and everyone that eats the offal dishes that we do fucking love it. Because, and this is the reason why, I actually don't eat offal. Yeah. So I understand how to make it palatable for people, people that, yeah. that don't, that are against it. See, we've got a really weird thing with Vanessa and I where she loves seafood, yeah. like raw oysters. Um, She'll be in heaven, we'll look after her too, don't worry. Like, she loves all of that stuff. And because I grew up on seafood, like... I could have eaten, like I've had raw oysters, fresh raw oysters, better than anything you've served in there all my life. Just doesn't do it for me. Crab, because my parents go fishing, you know, red emperor, sweet lip, fresh mud crab, fresh oysters. I've had it on tap all my life and it just doesn't, just doesn't, whatever it is in my palate just doesn't do it for me. Sounds awful, (laughs) Bisa. Vanessa loves it. My my mum just came down last week and brought down two little jars of, Freshly picked oysters. Fuck yeah. You can't beat mug crab, dude. Yeah. Well, it's so good. My four so year much around at the moment. My four-year-old, I got a message from him, like a little hotel message going, we're having crab for dinner, Dad. And he'll just, no bread, no vinegar, nothing, just... Well, see, one of, this is one of my memories. So, I grew up in Perth, unfortunately, because we're not privy to mug crab over there. It's all about but the blue sand crab. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good, swimmers. aren't they? So, yeah, they're fucking good. But we, so my my dad, his brother, so this is my uncle, that side of the family, they are like water babies. So they always had boats, were always scuba diving, yeah. would go spear fishing, they go diving for cra- uh, craze, yeah, they go yeah, craze, craze. Fishing. abalone, so abalone season, they always had that. They were just, they were always on the water. Yeah. So we just, I grew up with like fucking, like Noma's doing a, abalone schnitzel like I grew up on that shit yeah. like he'd just go we'd go around there it's just normal abalone season he'd just bash an abalone up and crumb it in parmesan and, and breadcrumb and that cook it in butter on the barbecue just lunch yeah. it was just nothing but fucking like fucking delicious like in talking about it now I just crave it we did that and then so, so they had a beach house in Mandurah so Mandurah is kind of like a, a small town South Perth is coastal there's not much going on there like back in the day like I was growing up like in the 80s and the early like 90s it's pretty, it was pretty bogan you know like. yeah. but he was he had this old beach shack that was literally opposite the beach so you walk out the front across the road right. you're on the beach he's like right there overlooking it Worth a couple of million dollars now. Shitty shack. Well, he's, he's renovated now. He's got a big house on there and stuff. But I actually miss the shitty shack. Like, yeah. that's what made it awesome. So, so my, my parents have... So you might have heard of Curtis Island. Yeah. So they have basically that still on Curtis Island. So good. Um, Why would you change it? Uh, yeah, well, they don't. Like, and, you know... Um, the only thing is they don't have that beach. They're sort of in the middle. So there's, like, three blocks. Yeah. And they're in the middle block. But yeah, you like you walk fifty meters each way. You're on the back beach or the front beach, and like we, 
you know, whiting, which is my favourite fish. Yeah. And I still think that maybe fresh barramundi, but I'd still, I'd take whiting over any fish any day of the week. I fucking hate barramundi. I've eaten barramundi straight out of the creek. Straight out of, like, caught it, caught it myself. The bit, probably the best feed of fish I've ever had, we caught, I caught when I was 13. I caught an 83 centimetre barramundi. It was the first fish of the trip we caught. And we took the fillets off. And then we got one of those sausage griller things and cut the backbone up into three bits and put and just brushed it with oil and put it over the coals yeah. and tore the the bits of flesh off the backbone and that is close to the best fish I've ever eaten. Yeah, it probably would have been good, but, but like you work in the meat industry, barramundi to me is the eye fillet of the fish world. Yeah, it's pretty bland. <laughs> yeah. But but whiting you just can't I would take whiting over a red emperor or any Oh see I just like maybe wild salmon might beat it. I like oily fish. Mackerel, I'm all about oh, mackerel. mackerel. Spanish mackerel is the fucking You've got to be fucking fresh. Yeah, of course, it has to be fresh. Yeah. No, totally. I ate too much. But fresh. that's the secret of all fish, isn't it? I ate too much frozen mackerel when I was a kid. Because we used frozen. to catch it, and, we, and I'd eat it when it was fresh, but they'd freeze it and then fucking make it into Like what, spotties or what? Uh, yeah, Spanish mostly. Spanish mackerel and gladstone. fresh is the fucking best. Yeah, yeah, cut it into steaks, cook it on the barbecue, it was fine. Most misunderstood fish yeah. in Australia, hands down. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> we should probably wind this up. We've got to go and talk to Sarah. I, I feel like we got more that we got to talk yeah, about. Like, yeah, you, you said you didn't have anything. You'd gone for an hour and 20. So anyway, Mandurah. So, Mandurah, we, so, so we're down there. So, there's Beach Shack. Anyway, we used to go out, and we still do it. So, every time we go out for Christmas, like this is a prerequisite. I've got to go to Des- Uncle Des's, and we've got to go get some crabs, right? And we'll take the dinghy out, and so it's the Mandurah. The, the swimmers. Yeah, so we go and um, we drop the nets down, we get the swimmers, and it's good years. And there's as always, you know, it's a good year, it's a bad year. When it's a bad year, it's all doom and gloom, but you still get like 20 crabs, right? It just takes you four hours to get it instead of one. One, yeah. So we bring him back, and all we do, he, he used to have this big copper boiler out the back. And so we'd walk across the road, all the crabs, we get them back. I never understood why he did this either, but what he used to do to kill the crabs, he used to turn them upside down on like the concrete out the back of the house and just leave them there in the sun. Oh, to like die which in retrospect is pretty fucking inhumane right yeah yeah and I wouldn't have thought would be the best way to treat the flesh either <laughs> you just used to put them down leave them like that right it's and then pro- they're all down good. like that they're not moving and they're just slowly perishing in the sun <laughs> in the dry so we'd go across the road and and get buck with buckets and pull the seawater out fill up the copper with yeah, seawater yeah. with yep. a basket in it and you light a fire underneath it so it wasn't gas or anything it was yeah. all you'd, you'd burn it pretty much the same what we used to do for mud crabs pack them into the thing and then cook them in there in the seawater take them out and then literally we would sit at a table with newspaper on the table crabs in the middle butter and like some shitty like country yeah. bakery yeah, fucking say, pre-mixed like, bread like the, the whitest white bread so white <laughs> <laughs> well I was exactly the same except back in the fucking 80s it was probably margarine much to my disgust with either, even that like I'm sure yeah. it was probably I'm probably like making it better in my head <laughs> yeah, that it was butter <laughs> but with, with shitty white vinegar like yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say vinegar, the white vinegar yeah. with salt and cracked pepper in the vinegar and that's it and still to this day that is the best fucking thing in the world yeah see like I had that but it just doesn't it just doesn't do it for me whatever it is in my taste buds like and and now I know now that I know how much effort it is. Like back then I used to eat it because it was there. But now I know how much effort it is. I'm like, look, you guys eat it. You, you eat it because it's just fucking wasted on me. 
I'm, I'm better off having a jam sandwich. It really? just doesn't do it for my taste buds. Nah, crab just doesn't do it. Lobster. <sighs> Whiting and... See, mud crabs, I never do them that way because I always feel like it should be like Thai chili caramel or fucking yeah, black pepper Singapore. I think when it's really fresh, my family are the same. When it's really fresh, you just do very, very little to it, you know. Like Alan won't even eat it on bread. He'll just get the claws and crack them and just Smash just up. eat the crab. See, and the new thing that I've learned, this is the newest technique that I've learned with the mud crabs, is when you crack the claws and everything before you cook it in the sauce, you coat the claw, the claws and the, and the body and everything, the carapace, you coat it in potato starch and then oh. fry it and then cook it in the sauce because then the sauce sticks to the potato starch so then you even make them in all the shells because ah. you just suck all the fucking fried, fried potato starch with the, with the sauce soaked into it off the shelves as you're going it's the I always wanted to do Sally Sal told me one where she deep fries a whole fish in oil like flash fries it yeah. I always wanted to do that one so good yeah I've just never never I mean, had in potato starch that's the biggest thing right you coat whatever in that and then when you're putting a sauce on it it just absorbs it and do, holds it does cornstarch do the same thing no nah, potato or tapioca they're the best okay cornstarch doesn't work the same way alright more go. things to try alright I've got a cruise alright be soon thanks, thanks for having me cheers mate see ya oh. hi Sal <laughs> hey Beso, how are you? It's a little bit different when we're not. Julie said to me this afternoon. She goes, um, "Should I have? Should I be getting cheese everywhere?" And I said, "Look, I've just been really busy at work. I should get the cheese. I'm a bit a bit slack." And then Ben said, "It's just, it's just not the same without sale." And I said, "It's been interesting, but it's just not as chaotic as it usually is." <laughs> oh shit! How's Victoria? Is it is it subarctic temperatures down there yet? No, it's really hot, actually. We're about to go into a bit of a heat wave next week. No, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's different, though. The heat's totally different down here. It's like it's hot, like burns the back of the throat. What are you drinking? Uh, just, a, just a little bit of water with some ice. <laughs> I've, already, I've already had half a bottle of wine this afternoon, so I probably, <laughs> probably don't need a little anymore <laughs> being a work day. So. Oh, that's what, I, well, that's what I'm doing here because... Beechworth is just surrounded by wineries, so I'm slowly drinking my way through each winery. I just go to the local wine shop and grab a bottle every day, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Your new new place looks pretty cool. You got a few fruit trees and a bit of a veggie garden, or is that just the local produce? No, well, there's lots going on. So in my garden, I have got growing. Got a massive lemon tree, a fig tree, Uh. uh, three pear trees. Um, garlic, big rhubarb patch and a big herb patch. And then I've got tomatoes growing oh, as well. Wow. So it's awesome. I love it. And then I've joined the um, food co-op and you go down there and they have just um, love baskets of stuff that people have left over and you can just pick up whatever. And everyone's oh, right. got zucchinis at the moment. And, so um, it's basically whatever's in season and there's lots of. Yeah, and everyone just has these laden. Everyone's gardens are full of, you know, fruit and vegetables. So, just even in the morning when I take the dog for a walk, like there's these fig trees just hanging over the footpath, laden with figs. Mm. Who well, paid fifty bucks my, a kilo? Yeah, I was going to say my the ten figs I picked the other night sounded good until you told that story. <laughs> 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 oh. 
oh, it's unreal, but it's really cool. And then, and then, I was um, I went up and I joined the food cop because I just kind of thought, better go and do it. I've got to meet some people, and um, I didn't have any pots. None of my stuff arrived, and uh, so there was this chick, and she said, "Oh, listen, I'll lend you a pot." Because I went and bought a whole lot of um, take-home meals from the supermarket and they were just disgusting. After night one, I, I just went, oh, Sally, what are you doing? Come on, you've, you've moved on from this stuff way too far. <laughs> so I threw hey. it all out. Hey, Sal, just hang and... on a sec. Fruit and veg um, department that we are up here anyway. Yeah, well, I haven't actually had to do any of it. It just was all there for me when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had – it's been – since you've been gone, it's – just really dried out here we were starting to look all the fruit trees were starting to look a bit sad but we got 50 mils on tuesday yeah 50 mils on tuesday so hopefully that'll keep the fruit trees going and i just got some native cherries macadamia nuts and blueberries to put in oh cool so i'll see how they go we'll be self-sufficient before you know it yeah, you sort of just—I just want to keep keep whacking them in, and you know, try Garden to... of Eden. One day it'll be the Garden of Eden. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> Little bits. The figs are exciting, I have to say, and they were very nice. They were very nice figs. I love fresh figs. You know what I've got here? I've got both. I've got, but I've got those um, green figs. I've never seen the green figs before. Yeah, that's what I've got in mind. That they're, they're green when you pick them, not brown. Yeah, they're delicious. Mm, anyway, it's been a smorgasbord of fresh fruit and veg. And but what about work? Where are you working? So I am working at the Provenance, mm-hmm. which is beautiful, you know, two-hatted restaurant. I think it's two hats. Um, in Beechworth with a chef called Michael Ryan, who's very clever. And it's good. It's it's full on. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, A, I've never worked in fine dining really ever before because mm. I'm mainly catering, you know, cooking, you, you know. To, do you have to chop everything perfectly neatly? No, it's a lot of pureeing and passing through the sieve and stuff. It's good. It's good fun. I've learned lots. He does, he does a lot of um, Japanese influence. So his head chef is a dude called Yasu. He's from um, Tokyo. So... I get to work with both of them. So it's been kind of interesting, actually. Because, you know, I fronted up and said, hey, go easy on me. I've worked in this kitchen for a while. So it's good. It's good. I must say, I'm bloody exhausted, though. That whole, I forgot. I forgot about uh, the, daily the kitchen grind. assassin bit, you know, like you're just on your feet all day. Yeah. In long days, you know. And you forget. You forget to drink water and then you go, oh, shit, I haven't had a drink for eight hours. I better have mm. water. Better, better have wine. Yeah, <laughs> before. Oh, well, dude, how, how, how would they go attracting chefs out there? I wouldn't imagine it would be the easiest no, uh, place to recruit hard. chefs. Mm, I think it's hard because they're looking for a second chef at the moment. I think they got one today. But um, hard because, you know, You've got to live in the area and yep. you've got to want to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not just cruise around for a couple of hours a day. Yeah, so it's um, 
So is yeah. it a, is it a more like you're obviously home now, so they're not doing dinner, or are you just working during the day there? Or? No, they are doing dinner. I'm just not doing dinner tonight. Well, I mean, look, it's it's hard for me because you know it's awesome. I don't really like working nights though because no. I'm too freaking old for that shit. <laughs> I was talking to, to Ben this afternoon about breakfasts and he's like, yeah, I'm not real keen on breakfast. I'm, you know, I've been up since whatever and I get home and I crash out and all I want to do is sleep. And <laughs> and I, I'm like going, oh, I love breakfast. Breakfast is the best meal of the day. He's looking at me like I'm an alien. I think, I think that and the fact that I bought microwave rice really did his head in today. <laughs> what do you mean you buy microwave rice? Don't be you know, ridiculous. Those... Yeah, I I just don't cook rice well. You know that. Oh, anyway, didn't we it, fix that? Well, I'll, I'll give it. I've bought. I bought a packet of proper rice, and I'm gonna give it another go. What do you mean? What's proper rice? Like you know, rice that you have to cook, not just open a packet. <laughs> <laughs> proper rice. Just do the knuckle thing. We've discussed the knuckle, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just I'm not. It's it's that confidence thing. I just I'm just not there. I always think I'm gonna fuck it up. So so you fuck it up. Mm, probably. Perhaps just think you're not gonna fuck it up. See what happens. I mean, back back to the uh, vegetari- <laughs> vegetarian eating at this house too, which is which is another good one. Oh, she's still there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. We've managed to not run this one off, unlike all the others. That's amazing. <laughs> long term. She'll yeah. be long service leave in a minute. So I did, um, <laughs> we're having it. She's very laid back and, um, is, you know, how are you liking it? Good. She goes, I haven't eaten this well in a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> but she hasn't. Oh, that's funny. So I cooked, oh, um, dear. Cook, cooked some flatbreads with my curry the other night. That was, I was pretty happy about that. How'd you make those? Excuse me, um, you're oh. just a just a just use the sourdough starter and chop oh. some garlic through it, and then just got the pan as hot as I could and just fried them off in the nonstick fry pan. Oh, well, they oh. all nice, and that's what Yasu did tonight for lunch today for lunch. He got the sourdough bread and he just rolled it out like flatbread. Yeah, bloody delicious. Well, it's the, kind of really chewy and yeah. yeah. I'm keen to try on Food Safari Fire and. Mm. Ben was saying they do that in their restaurant as well. They get like a wok, like a just a cheap wok, and turn it upside down and put it over the coals or put it over a gas burner mm. and, and get it like super hot and then you do the same thing, roll the flatbread out, but then put it on a like a wet, a damp detail and, and stick it on the top and it cooks really, really quickly. So hang on, you put... You what? You put the bread on the damp tea towel and then slap it on the wok. Yeah, I think the the tea towel's just to protect. Why doesn't it. he go and get a stick and be like a real Indian? Oh my god, gosh, just lick it on the wok with the yeah. stick. I think that the damp tea towel's <laughs> a thing. They use that on the on the tandoor as well. I've seen them do that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. Those those tandoori ovens look very cool. Yeah, they do, don't they? Four hundred degrees. Just have four hundred degrees sitting in your kitchen. Awesome for a Brisbane summer. That's what you want. Four hundred degrees in your kitchen. <laughs> oh God! Are you you got a heat wave again? What's that? No, with the weather? I don't know. Why I'm obsessed with it's the been weather. it's yeah. been it's been pretty warm. Yeah, I've been eating a bit of salad. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much. I tell you, oh, I tell you what, I did score was a. Um, 
uh, one of Vanessa's relatives gave us their waffle, just a little home one, but a waffle maker. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I've dis- yeah. I've discovered waffles. I've never made waffles before. Oh, man, waffles are awesome. I love waffles. Yeah. How are you making them? Uh, are you going to the cakey or the crunchy, chewy? Uh, sort of crunchy, I think. Darker. Mm. I like just... those Belgian waffles that you get, those big thick ones that you toast up. and You know the ones you get from the supermarket? I think we're I mean, I don't like those. Or the ones you buy from the market. You know, they're crunchy. Hello? Oh, hello? 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 